The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thanks for listening to The Murder of My Family. But before you go any further, stop. I want to tell you about the amazing new immersive podcast app, Bodacast, that will allow you to experience this podcast and others in a way that you haven't been able to until now. Vodacast will provide you a deeper version of the show and allow you to view photos of the people and places we're talking about in this episode. You'll also get links for articles about the case. When you experience a podcast on Vodacast, you not only will be listening to your favorite podcast, but you'll be getting stories that come alive with supplemental digital content that allows you to have everything being discussed in the episode at your fingertips. If you're like me, after you listen to a podcast, you search for more details or photos of the people and events discussed in the episode. With Vodacast, it's all right there for you. So try Vodacast out today. Click the link in my show notes to learn more about Vodacast or download the app today in the App Store and change the way you experience podcasts forever. That's Vodacast, V-O-D-A-C-A-S-T. You're listening to The Murder in My Family, brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network, including Missing Persons, Scene of the Crime, DNA ID, Three Men and a Mystery, Malice, Zodiac Speaking, Riddle Me That, and All Things Crime. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the podcast, its host, or sponsors. If you would like to discuss the murder in your family on this podcast, please be sure to visit themurderinmyfamily.com for more information. You can support this podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder in my family. This episode may contain unsettling material or subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for episode 88 of The Murder of My Family. I'm your host, Mike Morford. In this episode, we'll be discussing the tragic case of a young father who, at just 20 years old, was gunned down in his Los Angeles neighborhood in what's become an all-too-common occurrence there due to gang violence. We'll dive into this case after some quick housekeeping. Independent podcasts like this one depend on word of mouth to bring in new listeners. So if you find that you enjoy this show, please take a minute to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast, and be sure to introduce a friend of the show and invite them to listen. With your help, the murder of my family can continue to grow and reach a new audience. To learn more about the show or the cases we discuss, please visit themurdermyfamily.com. You can also find us on Twitter with the handle at MurderMyFam, or by searching for the Murder of My Family podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support this show through a Patreon donation, it's always appreciated, and you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash themurdermyfamily. Benefits of supporting the show on Patreon include early access to ad-free episodes of the show, plus bonus content not heard in regular episodes. Support may also include thank you cards, 
stickers, and more. If you prefer to, you can also support the show through a PayPal donation by visiting paypal.me forward slash the murder my family. In each episode, I'll give shout-outs to any new supporters. And thank you to all the supporters that generously donate to help keep the show growing and improving. One last note. Please consider supporting any of the sponsors that you hear on The Murder of My Family, the way that the sponsors support the show. It's with our sponsor support that this show can go on and continue to provide a platform to share these stories with you in every episode. Thank you. And now on with the show. 20-year-old Anthony Iniguez was a football star at Narbonne High School and graduated with top honors from Sunburst Youth Academy, a military school in Los Alamitos. Anthony worked two jobs to provide for his sons and build a life for himself. He hoped that one day he'd join the military and he'd be able to make his way out of his neighborhood. And his neighborhood, Harbor City, was and still remains a tough and violent one. Harbor City is a neighborhood in southern Los Angeles, California, just north of San Pedro and east of Torrance. While Los Angeles might bring to mind beaches, palm trees, and movie sets, it's no secret that the Los Angeles area also has a gang problem. South LA has long been notorious for gang activity. There are articles dating back to the early 1990s with headlines about the Harbor City community asking for help with gang activity. Today, According to the LAPD's Gang Injunction website, the Harbor City area is home to the number two priority targeted gang by the LAPD. It was here in this area that Anthony Niguez lost his life on June 17, 2017. Anthony was shot in the head as he rode his bike from a friend's house to where he lived with his mother. Shortly before, he had gotten off the phone with her and he asked his mom to keep the door unlocked for him since he was planning to head home. Sadly, he never made it. Anthony was passing north through the intersection at Normandy Avenue and 252nd Street around 12.45 in the morning. That's when someone shot him in the head, ultimately taking his life, leaving two sons, ages two and seven months old, fatherless. Anthony clung to life at Harbor UCLA Medical Center. His mother, Kristen, was by his side, and their doctors told her that her son was brain dead. She waited against the odds and didn't want to end his life support. She was also trying to arrange for the worst-case scenario of organ donation so that he could live on and be a hero helping someone else. His favorite music, 60s oldies, was played by nurses, and his mother hoped that somehow it would reach through and rouse him. But sadly, the music didn't help. He was taken off of life support, and he passed away at 2.28 p.m. on June 20th, just three days after he was shot. His family was left grieving Anthony's loss, and angry that he was likely the latest victim of gang violence in Harbor City. Due to the very late hour when Anthony was shot, it seems that there were no witnesses to the shooting. It also seems that it was much quieter than a drive-by car-to-car shooting, with an indiscriminate spray of bullets and tires squealing, drawing attention of witnesses. This was a case of a simple shot, followed by silence, and the killer escaped into the night. Anthony was simply riding his bike, and we don't know who shot him. For police, there's no leads or clues that we know of publicly. Authorities aren't even sure whether the killer was driving a car, riding a bike, or walking that night. Anthony's family, as well as the police, believe with confidence that Anthony was not affiliated with any gangs. He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. His family can't think of any known enemies. 
The working theory is that Anthony was not a gang member, but he was shot by someone who was. Anthony's mother has worked tirelessly to try and solve her son's murder. Other family members have also given numerous interviews to try and get some answers and shed light on this case. But unfortunately, people aren't talking and those answers aren't coming. There was one time a reward for $10,000 in Anthony's case, but it was only available for three months, hoping to quickly entice someone to speak. And unfortunately, it didn't produce any leads and the reward expired. Anthony wasn't the only victim around the same time. On June 10, 2017, just a week before Anthony was shot, another 20-year-old, Jorge Martinez, was shot in the head. This occurred at the intersection of Marigold Avenue and 252nd Street. It's important to know that Marigold, where Jorge was shot, and Normandy, where Anthony was shot, are literally right next to each other. The next through street on 252nd Street from Normandy is Marigold, less than 500 feet away. We're talking about a two-minute walk at a relaxed pace, so it seems like a deadly area. The Crips gang are widespread in the area, with many offshoots and cliques. There's a known group of Crips, the 252nd Street Crips, very active in that area. While the Crips are a predominantly black gang, there are Hispanic gangs like the Harbor City Boys active in the area as well. It seems from evidence that whoever was shooting may have been on 252nd Street and shooting towards the intersections. And unfortunately, their shot was accurate. And sadly, since Anthony was killed, the violence in that area hasn't stopped. On October 30th, 2019, there was a reported ambulance shooting near 252nd Street and Normandy Avenue. 35-year-old Joshua Allen Pitts was killed in that attack. Even back in June 1990, the area was involved in roadblocks due to gang violence. One June 1990 New York Times article described Harbor City as, quote, a scary place. It has been scarier than usual lately. In April 2019, a billboard campaign was launched, aimed to help solve the dozens, if not hundreds, of unsolved murders in the county. Each billboard, 10 in total, posted at bus shelters in Los Angeles County, featured the bold headline, Do You Know Who Murdered Us?, and included pictures of 48 homicide victims, whose cases are still open. One of these 48 victims was Anthony Iniguez, but still, there are no leads in the case. Anthony is remembered as a loving and dedicated father, and described by many as a good kid. Some articles respectfully call the mother of his sons, Anthony's wife, but tragically, the pair wanted to get married, but they never had the chance. It's also said he loved his two children and his fiancée more than life itself. Both the police and Anthony's family are urging people with any information about this case to come forward, and you can do so anonymously and provide any information you may have by calling Crime Stoppers at 800-222-8477. Anthony's cousin Shannon joined me to discuss his senseless murder and how his family got through this tragedy. That conversation is coming up in just a moment. Hey everyone, spring is here, and for many people, this is the time when we want to get out and get active. But for some of us, that's easier said than done, because often, things that have been weighing on us don't magically go away with the change of seasons. But the good news is, there is help, and that help is called BetterHelp. If there's something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, then BetterHelp Online Counseling just might be the right solution for you. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. 
You can connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient, and you can start communicating with a counselor in under 24 hours. This isn't self-help. It's professional counseling. Send a message to your counselor at any time. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp can assist you with so many things, from trauma, depression, and anger issues, to LBGT matters, grief, stress, and so much more. Anything you share is confidential, and while BetterHelp isn't a crisis line, it is convenient, professional, and affordable. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener of The Murder of My Family, you'll get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com family. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Once again, go to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash family, and you'll save 10% on your first month with BetterHelp. Hey everyone, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Gainful. Right now, I think a lot of us are trying to get healthy, and there's nothing more personal than your health. So when it comes to finding the right nutrition supplements to meet your fitness goals, you need a personalized approach. Thankfully, now there's Gainful, the personalized nutrition system that's formulated for your body and goals. Gainful gives you peace of mind that your protein, hydration, and pre-workout supplements contain the finest ingredients, specifically for you. You can get started by taking the 5-Minute Gainful Quiz. Gainful considers your dietary needs, goals, and unique physiology to personalize your formula. Gainful delivers your supplements with no shipping charge every month, and you can cancel any time or adapt your plan as needed. All Gainful products are formulated by their on-staff registered dietitians and are backed by pro-level exercise science. On their science advisory board, and every gainful customer gets complimentary one-on-one access to their registered dietitian, available anytime to answer your questions. And Gainful's rigorous quality control process ensures that your supplements only have clean ingredients that you can pronounce, along with zero artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. I tried the strawberry lemonade hydration powder and the watermelon pre-workout, and they're both great. My goal was to stay hydrated and energized during my workout and after, and Gainful did the trick. Best of all, you can tailor the flavor of your proteins to suit your taste buds with a variety of delicious flavors like rich chocolate, Madagascar vanilla, and strawberry cream, just to name a few. Start your personalized fitness journey today with Gainful. To get $20 off your personalized supplements, go to Gainful.com slash murder. That's Gainful.com slash murder, and you'll get $20 off. Gainful, personalized nutrition made for your taste. Hi, Shannon, and thank you for coming on to discuss your cousin Anthony's case with us. Hi, thank you for having me. What's so frightening about your cousin Anthony's murder is that it truly seems like a random act of violence that could happen to anyone, and his killer's still at large and could do something like this to someone else. Uh, Is that something that weighs on you and your family, knowing that that person is still out there? Yes. Um, it weighs very heavy on us. You know, you, you walk into grocery stores, you're constantly scanning crowds, you know, um, looking at people and just wondering, are you the one, you know, um, please believe it was someone probably pretty local to us. Um, and you just never stop. You never stop looking, you never stop searching and just wondering if you're standing near the killer. Yeah, and that's a, a scary possibility that you could be in a store or something as simple as that and be standing next to the person that did this. Um, before we get into the details of the case, can you talk to us a little bit about your cousin and tell us uh, what kind of person he was, maybe help us know him a little bit? Yeah, so Anthony was a football fanatic, 
and he played for Narbonne High School, and he was amazing. Everyone was in awe of Anthony. And then he left Narbonne for a little while, and he went into the Sunburst uh, Youth Academy, and that is a program through the National Guard, and he excelled. He uh, won ribbons and awards there for just um, – you know, being a team player and leadership skills, and he just really wanted a military career. And um, when he left there, he the girlfriend that he had all through high school and everything, she ended up having their first child. And all he wanted to do was just be a great dad. He still wanted to go into the military. Um, he worked. He worked really hard. He worked a lot to provide for him. And then right before his passing, he actually ended up having another son. So he's got two little boys there that, um, you know, sadly just don't remember him. They don't have their daddy. And he was goofy. He, he danced around all the time and laughed. And I mean, he was just a silly, goofy, loving kid and, and young man. Yeah, it's, it's tragic that you mentioned he's only 20 years old. Um, he left behind two young children. He had plans for this military career and all of that came to an end in, in June 2017. Did you have a, a big family? Were you all very close? We have a pretty big family. We're close um, because Anthony grew up playing sports in the community, you know, at the hospital when everyone gathered there together uh, before we were told that he was actually brain dead. We had a, a spark of hope there for uh, about two days, thinking that maybe he would come back to us. We held a prayer vigil, and the entire community came out. Everyone from high school, every little league, every everyone from the youth academy, from the from the National Guard. I mean, he just had hundreds of people gathered together at the hospital. There were so many that we actually were asked to wait outside um, half the time because there was just no room in the waiting room. Um, and it was like that for the, the entire two days. Uh, the entire community came out for Anthony, family, friends, and, you know, school friends. And it was, it, that part was nice seeing how many people loved Anthony. And I can imagine that you're going through a really difficult time dealing with what happened to him. But at the same time, you see all these people that, care about him so that must have been somewhat uplifting uh, if only for you know a temporary time period yeah it definitely helped to see how many people loved him it just um it, it was hard it was hard but having that support there it definitely helped if we can let's go back to the day when anthony was killed it was the early morning hours of june 17th just before 1 a.m and your cousin was riding his bike home and he had just called Kristen, his mom, to say he was on his way home to leave the door open. Was there anything unusual about that call, anything out of the ordinary that that she remembers that might have shown that Anthony was in trouble or, or worried about anything? No, no, nothing. He was over at his friend's house. Um, you know, it's it's not very far. It's probably maybe, I don't know, five minutes on the bike from where they lived. So he wasn't far from home at all. <clears throat> Um, his, his, uh, fiance at the time, her, her mom has a, had a, like a catering business. And so she had been working late staying at her mom's uh, that night with the boys working on, you know, doing some catering with her mother. 
So Anthony went and saw his friend, totally normal high school friend, nothing out of the ordinary, and was riding his bike home. You know, that night, he left the house around 9.30, I would say. And my grandpa, he's in his 90s, he, he just passed. But that night, you know, he sits in his rocker in front of the door, and he's kind of the keeper of the door of everyone going in, everyone going out. And Anthony said he was going to his friends for a little bit. And my grandpa said, isn't it too late to be going out? And he said, don't worry, grandpa, I'll be right back. And, you know, he never came back. And it just devastated my grandfather that, you know, um, he just had so many things in his mind. You know, maybe he shouldn't have let him walk out the door. You know, he was the last person to ever get to see Anthony. And, you know, it just it happened so close to home. This is where I grew up. These are the streets I grew up on, the same neighborhood uh, where we played and rode our bikes around. And there's something about that that also is, adds like this chilling factor. You know, you, you see everyone in the neighborhood, you know everyone, and then for it to happen on a street that you visit and you still have to drive past all the time, it's just, it's chilling, it's haunting. And that neighborhood is, is Harbor City in the Los Angeles area. Is that an area that has a high rate of crime or shootings like Anthony's unusual there? It does. That whole area, unfortunately, has a high rate of crime. <clears throat> um, it's, it's very hard to escape it, especially when you, when you live there in it. Um, you know, we were told by the police after it happened that LAPD Harbor Division is spread out between about three different cities right there. And they only have, you know, a number of parole cars, like less than five. And, uh, you know, their budget just kept getting cut and cut to where they could not be in one, you know, in every place at once. And their areas were very, very spread out. So if they were like up in San Pedro, which is, you know, miles away, there's actually no, there's no one patrolling Harbor City. There's no one there, and it's there is there's a very high crime rate, and now they're completely defunded. They're they're gone. The whole homicide division, that entire police force, has been um, defunded, and we don't even have the detectives there working the case anymore. It's all been transferred to downtown LA. And that's got to be that's a whole other thing that's up for debate is is defunding of police. But if if you're a victim of crime or you're worried about someone else in in this neighborhood that might be a victim of crime, you certainly, uh, I would think, would want some protection there and not um, to be left to your own to, to defend yourselves. Um, has that sort of been a, a void, something that's brought up new wounds, having to know? Oh, that yeah, it was devastating. Yeah. yeah, when we found out about this, um, the whole family cried. It was just, it was devastating. It was sorrow and anger and just anguish. And um, you just feel like his life wasn't important. Like it, it didn't matter. And the kids coming up now, I mean, they're, they're shooting there constantly. So, and now the, the, the younger kids that are out there today, I mean, they're, they're literally riding bikes and just playing and there's, you know, shooting and crime happening on the streets and uh, you know, you just wonder, you just wonder how, it, how it's going to get fixed, where, where the solution is going to come from. Right. I do have to admit 
that after it was transferred to downtown LA, the police detectives working on it um, have been pretty awesome. They've been responsive. They return phone calls. They um, so it turned out to not be as bad as we initially thought it was going to be, but um, you know, it's still sad to know that it it's spread so thin. Their department is spread so thin now. It's like you just wonder how anything's going to get solved. Yeah, and and we could probably spend hours talking about that. Um, but if we could, let's go back um, to the night that Anthony was killed. Was his family? You mentioned your grandfather's there. You know, at the door, he he had some guilt uh, following that. You know, he had talked to his mom. Did anyone wait up? Were they waiting up for him to make it home? How did they find out that something was wrong? No, everybody had gone to bed. Um, Kristen had fallen asleep, which is his mother. She had fallen asleep. She left the door open or unlocked for him. And she had fallen asleep and dozed off. Um, You know, this was something that was not out of the ordinary. Um, They only, um, Anthony and his fiance shared a car. So a lot of times she would have it with the boys or whatever. So for him to ride his bike, somewhere I mean he grew up doing that it was just a common thing to ride your bike and um, nothing was out of the ordinary nothing felt weird or off and then the detectives homicide detectives came banging on the door and I don't know what time it was it was probably um, you know around 1 1 30 a.m. and my cousin you know, ran out there thinking, did I, did I not lock the door? Like she was disoriented, didn't realize what time it was. She thought, oh my gosh, you know, Anthony locked out. She just had no idea of her bearings because she had fallen asleep. And when she opened the door, it was homicide asking if she was the mother of, of Anthony. And, uh, she, they let her know that he had been shot in the head and transported to a hospital. And, um, you know, she she described just screaming, just falling to her knees and just screaming and then running around the house, trying to get dressed, trying to get the other kids up to get to the hospital. But she said she just kept running in circles, you know, like she wasn't making any progress and people had to like kind of grab her and say, you know, get in the car. She just, you know, just was in such shock and, um, you know, she started throwing up and, it's just being woken up to that, you know, is every every parent's worst nightmare. Yeah, that's and it. I remember getting the call shortly after my aunt called me, which was Anthony's grandma, and she said, um, Anthony's been shot in the head. And I remember doing the same thing. I, I kept thinking I need to get everybody up. I lived about an hour away, but I just couldn't you just run around and you're just kind of like disoriented and all these feelings are rushing at you. And, um, it's hard to describe It's like this terror and you can't, you know, you're not making progress. You don't know what, what, what steps you need to do to accomplish getting in the car. It's just this disoriented, great. I mean, it's just news that just like explodes inside of your head. It's just, you don't have, you don't have a brain after that, you know, for for a little while. It takes a while to get a grip. Yeah, it's like a state of shock. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah, definitely shock. 
And, and you mentioned that eventually your family, friends, everyone's showing up at the hospital. They're there to, to, to pray and hope that somehow he pulls through. Um, but then you learn that he was brain dead. Did he pass away on his own or did your family have to make the decision to um, turn off life support? They, they had to make the decision. Um, Anthony has filled out his donor card. He wanted to donate his organs. So uh, his mother carried that out for him. So there's like a process. Um, you know, they, they prepare him and prep him. And we had learned, I guess for about two days, we held on to hope. Um, but, you know, we held a constant vigil around him, around his bedside. But when I went in and saw him, I just, I just had a gut feeling. The way that he looked, I just knew that he wasn't there. Um, it's not an idea that you share with everyone because everyone's still trying to, to have hope. But, I, I, but I'm pretty sure probably everyone that saw him knew this. And it was devastating. It was just devastating to see him like that. I, I wish I hadn't gone in because it's kind of like... Um, that that picture comes up, you, it wakes you up at night. You know, you, you have nightmares about it, it the picture in your head of, of how he looked. Um, he had planned on getting married. It was a big thing to him. It was a big thing to his fiance. So we actually had someone come in and perform a little mock wedding ceremony. And um, we put a ring on his finger and a, and a ring on her finger. And they, that was kind of like closure for her. And, um, and for his mom, she wanted to see him get married and, and carry that out. And they were, they were planning that anyway. So it was just, it was really sad. It was just a, you know, I guess a happy moment <laughs> that was laced in just complete sadness. Uh, um, it, it just sounds like a, a uh, an awful scenario to find yourself in if you're a family member and here you are. Uh, holding a wedding like you're doing and and his mom's got to figure out organ donation and at the same time she yeah. doesn't want to let her son go so that's it's got to be an awful position to be in um yeah and, and he he donated all of his organs so they kind of have like a process where they they keep him um going on different machines and things and then they ha then they take him down and, and take the organs and so, you know, everyone got to say goodbye to him before they, they wheeled him off. Um, and then when they came back, they, you know, um, handed us um, his clothing that he had came in with. And then you leave with nothing. You leave literally holding his shoes. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live Boricua. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I assume that at some point 
when the shock is wears off, did it turn to all right? Who did this? Could this? You know, is there any anyone that had a problem with him? Did any of that stuff start coming up in conversation? Oh yeah, instantly, instantly. Especially the minute you leave the hospital and you know, okay, this part, this chapter's closed, and now we need justice. And you, you know, we started following people on social media. Um, you know, making friends with every single person in every single neighborhood around there, trying to follow, looking for clues, looking at photos, you know, who's talking about him, who's saying rest in peace, who's, you know, you just, we became consumed. We were going and, you know, sitting in, in bar, because he had Google on his phone. So, you know, we were able to trace over like a week back of where, you know, even farther, but we took like everywhere that he had ever visited a week back. And one of the locations that came up was a local bar in the neighborhood. Obviously he didn't go into the bar. Um, that's just where it pinged off of. And there was like a little, there was like a little burger shop next door and all these little things. So who knows exactly where he'd been, but you know, my aunt went and sat every night in the bar, you know, hoping to hear something. Does someone know something? Were they talking about it? You know, then she's sitting in the burger shop. I mean, you just become, consumed with every place his phone pinged off of in the week leading up to that you know you're driving past addresses and google you know they're pretty accurate but you kind of it's not always exactly accurate where they visited exactly you kind of get like a shopping center so you know we're sitting in shopping centers we're posting flyers and we became consumed for probably at least a solid year to a solid year and a half, we were doing that, completely canvassing the neighborhood, putting up posters, just consumed. Yeah, and that's understandable. And, and frustration, yeah, and frustration because, you know, the detectives on the case, um, you know, I don't want to call anyone out on it, but they they went on vacation without ever telling you or letting you know that your emails are going to go unanswered for a month or, you know, wouldn't return phone calls. Um, it, it's frustrating. Did police have anything to go on as far as any camera footage, surveillance footage, or any eyewitnesses, anything at all? No. Uh, eyewitnesses, there, it's a busy little area right there, and there's a couple apartment buildings on that corner where he was killed. He was killed in front of a, a house um, of elderly people. They were probably asleep, but the apartment buildings around there you know, they have people coming and going. Midnight's not that late. So, you know, um, for that number of people. So it's not like a sleepy little quiet neighborhood. People just aren't talking. They're, they're not talking. The police believe that it was gang-related. Um, after their investigation, you know, they confirmed that Anthony was not part of the gang, but they believe uh, it was gang, you know, street credits or initiation or something gang-related. And he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And um, someone took advantage of that and, and used it. Um, so I, I believe somebody saw something, but nobody's talking. Yeah, very frightening. And I, I can't blame, you know, you would hope someone would come forward and say, hey, I heard this, I heard that. But you almost can't blame someone for not talking because of, of the fear of retaliation or for becoming involved. 
Yes. Um, we were able to get a reward for for $10,000. We were hoping it would be worth more um, because we thought that, you know, the reward money would help somebody leave and get their own kids out of there if, um, you know, if they saw something and knew something. But, yeah, I there's it's just a lot of families there, um, and I believe they're probably afraid um, – and, and then there's another aspect. I think there's a lot of um, probably undocumented people living in that neighborhood of Los Angeles. And, um, you know, they don't want to talk to the police. They don't want to come forward. They just mind their own business. So I think there's just too many different elements, fear of different th- things there that have prevented people from coming forward. And that kind of fears is enough to help unfortunately keep cases like this from getting solved because people that might have information just don't want to put their neck out there and, and be on the line for sharing it you know and you mentioned maybe they have uh, documentation issues or some other thing not related that they're worried about so if if there's not good physical evidence or a fingerprint or dna or something this kind of crime can go unsolved and that's got to be a very frustrating feeling for your family Oh, yeah. And then when I drove by um, that morning, uh, I had left the hospital for a little bit and I drove past the area expecting this big crime scene. And there wasn't there. It had not been roped off. There was no yellow tape up. I was as if nothing happened on that corner. So it wasn't even a secured crime scene. Um, uh, They gave us they gave us back. um, They started giving the police started giving us some of the stuff that Anthony had like in his pockets and things, you know, right that day that, that it happened. Um, I just feel like things weren't secured. Um, and maybe they lost evidence from doing that. I I don't know. I don't know that there there would have been evidence. I I just, I don't know how that works, but I know I watch a lot of crime movies and things and you would think there would be yellow tape or a secured area or something up and there wasn't. And you mentioned there was a shift to some of, some of the detectives now working it. You have a little bit more confidence in it, sounds like. Uh, where does the investigation stand now, do you know? You know, they have, they have some people that, they, that are prime suspects. They have no evidence. And apparently it's very hard to drill people or interrogate people nowadays. Um, yeah, I guess they have... To, police have to be really careful not to get sued or, you know, I I don't know. Apparently it's changed and they're trying to build a case off of the people that they suspect, which are gang members in the neighborhood. Um, One of those without mentioning any names, I don't want to ruin the case, but one of those, one of the main suspects in the case was actually shot and killed themselves about maybe a month ago. And that opened up a huge can of worms for us. It, it was like this. We, we cried all day because um, if this is the case, that, and there's still more out there. That the, the detectives believe there's, there was a couple of them. But, you know, one of the main ones dying in the same exact way that he died. Um, you know, some people would say, well, you got justice, but, you know, we didn't. We didn't want it that way. We, we didn't want anyone else hurt. We didn't want any other family going through this, even if they were the ones that did it. You don't wish that on anybody else's family. Pain, you know, an eye for an eye and, and 
somebody else feeling that pain, transferring that pain onto someone else, it doesn't heal you. And we wanted answers. We wanted answers. We wanted a trial. We wanted to be able to know why. We wanted to be able to say what, you know, give our statements. So if this is true, then there still are two other people that the police believe are involved, but one of the main ones was killed themselves. So you've got to hold out and just wait for uh, advancements in the case or wait for some kind of news. Yeah, and we were hoping that when the detectives investigated this case, maybe some new leads would come in, and they, they may have possibly have heard something. I just, I, we don't know yet. We haven't gotten an update. But we were hoping that maybe this, if anything good came out of this, it would be that them out in the neighborhood talking maybe would get someone to talk about Anthony's case. It would kind of bring that back up. But as it stands, we haven't been notified that anything has changed. And the four-year anniversary of Anthony's murder is approaching. How has your family been able to hold up these last four years? It's been, it's been really hard. My cousin, uh, Anthony's mom, has gone through um, you know, all different stages of grief. My Aunt Julie, which was his grandma, they were so close. They were like best friends. Um, just all different stages of grief, trying to keep his memory alive and, um, you know, going to the cemetery, taking the, his boys to the cemetery to put flowers and, um, you know, all the holidays we have um, celebrations there where we bring food and cupcakes and we picnic and, and sit there at the cemetery. We know he's, you know, we know he's in heaven and we know that, and that brings us comfort, but, you know, sitting there at the cemetery definitely brings some kind of healing. You just kind of grasp at straws. Like you just kind of grasp at anything that's going to make you feel a little bit better, even if it's only for a moment or for a day, you know, you'll take it because it's really hard. It's hard not having him. And he had a, he had a little sister that was super close to him. And, um, you know, there's that Build-A-Bear workshop. So um, her, you know, Anthony's mom went and had a little teddy bear made. And then she was able to use a recording of Anthony telling his sister that he loved her. And so she, she sleeps with that and plays the bear every night of her brother telling her that he loves her. Uh-huh. That That's all you have. Yeah. And and you mentioned, we talked a little bit about it earlier, um, you know, he had a lot of plans. He wanted to be, join the military. He wanted to get married. He might be doing great things right now. W- what do you want people, when they think of Anthony, what do you want his legacy to be or what do you think it should be? I want people to remember his zest for life, um, how much he made people laugh. His smile, when he smiled, it just lit up his entire face. Uh, he was a very loving young man, and he was very family-oriented. And I just want his boys especially to to know how much they were loved and that they were his world, and everything that he did in life was for them. Do you have any social media websites or uh, anything set up to bring attention to the case? 
We don't anymore. I mean, initially we had like a GoFundMe. We do interviews. We we try to get a news. Um, you know, we try. We had this on the news for the last anniversary. We constantly try to do news interviews to keep it alive. Um, we were able to get some billboards up. Unfortunately, it brought in like one tip, and it didn't pan out to anything. And that was hard. I mean, that stuff is expensive. Um, it was hard to get those, but no, we don't have a, we don't have a website or social media set up other than us just posting on our own pages. Yeah. And of course people can, can call the Los Angeles police department's Harbor division at 310-726-7887. And I'm sure some people want to remain anonymous. So they can call LA crime stoppers anonymously at 855-691. 2933 and hopefully if anyone has information they will do the right thing uh, for your family's sake and, and come forward thank you yes and there is a ten thousand dollar reward as that, well well shannon i can't thank you enough for coming on to discuss anthony's case i hope that the person who took him from you is at least identified even if they themselves have become the victims of violent crime it sounds like you still want to know what happened and who is responsible and, and have some kind of answers. Yes, totally. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on Shannon. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining me for this episode of the murder of my family. I'd like to thank Sonny Landon for writing and research assistance in this episode. I want to officially let everyone know that I'll be in Las Vegas for CrimeCon in 2022. I have a feeling that this will be the biggest crime con event ever. And if you're a true crime fan like me, you owe it to yourself to go. You can come hang out with me and all of your favorite true crime personalities, friends, and podcast hosts. CrimeCon will take place April 29th through May 1st, 2022. And you can use my promo code to save 10% on your standard badges when you check out at CrimeCon.com. My promo code is MORF, M-O-R-F. And I really hope that I'll see a lot of you there. It's going to be epic. I want to take this opportunity to let you know that I'll be on a short hiatus to recharge the batteries, so to speak, and I'll return with an all-new episode of The Murder of My Family on Saturday, July 17th. I hope you'll join me for that, and in the meantime, I'd like to wish you all a happy 4th of July. Enjoy yourselves, but before you go, remember that every murder victim means something to somebody. <laughs>